Guten Erev Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Mount Shul. We're back in the saddle giving the Erev Shabbos trush. Uh, the Rebbets and myself were away for 10 days and we missed one Shabbos and a couple weeks of classes. We we're very happy to be back in Shul last Shabbos. So happy on one of the coldest days of the year, Baruch Hashem, and to see people in Shul was a great Kiddush Hashem that while many people um, stayed away, such a nice amount came and enjoyed the Shabbos together. And we hope to see more people again this coming Shabbos. I want to share with you a beautiful idea from the Be'er Yosef, from Yosef of Salant, on his commentary on the Torah. For this week's Parsha, Parshas Yisro, that we're all excited about Parshas Yisro, we'll be reading the Ten Commandments, that's a big Indian to come to shul to hear the Ten Commandments. In the main shul, it'll be at about 10.15 or so. And uh, <clears throat> and in the father and son minion in the Mariah room, it'll be about 10.30-ish. And in the Sephardi room, also about 10.15. A great opportunity to hear the Aseris Hadibros. is a very special Shabbos. And let me share with you this idea from the Be'er Yosef. The Torah tells us, Vayishma Yisro, Yisro heard everything that happened. And Rashi comments, what did Yisro hear? And Rashi says he heard Kriyas Yamsov and the Muhammad Samolik, the splitting of the sea and the war with Amolik. So the Bir Yosef asks an obvious question. Well, between the two items, which is certainly the most powerful of the two events that happened, splitting of the sea or the war with Amalek? Clearly it was the splitting of the sea. Splitting of the sea, Torah says, the Jews said, this is my God and I will glorify him as we read last Shabbos. That's an amazing world, earth-shattering event. The war with Amalek, certainly Hashem helped the Jews win, but we could not compare that to the splitting of the sea. So if Yisrael was motivated to come to join the Jews and become Jewish because of the splitting of the sea. Why do we have to add the war of Amalek? Number two, Yisrael says to Moshe, he says, I am your father, Yisrael, I have come to you. And the Mechilta explains that Yisrael wanted Moshe to come out and greet him, to give him a Kabbalah upon him. And he says, and come for me, and if not for me, come for your children. If not for your wife, if not for your wife, come for your children. It almost sounds as if Yisro is, uh, is looking to get some honor over here. Come and give me honor as I'm coming to convert. Which seems to be at odds with a medrash that Hashem said to Moshe that this fellow who is coming to me, Yisro, he's only coming for the sake of heaven. And therefore, you, Moshe, need to go out and greet him and help him with conversion. So, again, the it seems like a contradiction. Hashem seems to be saying, you go out and give honor to this Yisro. While on the other hand, Yisro seems to say, give me honor. Now, you really want to say that Yisro, who's such a sincere convert, is looking for honor? And moreover, we could ask, what's the big deal about Yisro converting? We are told in the Mechilta that as the Jews left Egypt, many non-Jews in Egypt converted 
And there were many what was called the Erev Rav. And the Erev Rav has many meanings, the mixed multitude, but it means Rav, there were many great people, great officers. Um, some of the magicians converted. So what's the big idea, what's so special about Yisro converting? And indeed, what does the Mechilta say? That they did, Moshe, indeed, when Moshe went to see Yisro, then Aaron followed, and if Aaron followed, the Nod of an Aviu followed, then the 70 elders followed, and the 70 elders followed, and everybody followed. So that needs some explanation. Why all the fanfare when so many others converted? What was so special about his conversion? And also, obviously, we know that, according to many opinions, this story took place after the giving of the Torah at Sinai. And because we start the Parsha with this, the name Yisro is the name of the Parsha. So what's so special about Yisro's conversion that we name a Parsha after him when so many other people converted? This is the gist of the questions of the Be'er Yosef. And the Be'er Yosef says a fundamental answer. Yes, Yisro came to convert, but he had a much deeper, good, ulterior motive behind this. He was coming specifically in order to create a sanctification of God's name and repair the damage that Amalek did that um, that uh, desecrated Hashem's name. How do we know all this? Well, the Yalkut says in Parshish Kisetzi about the war of Amalek, it says, Asher Korcha Baderech, they happened upon you on the way. And the word korcha comes from the word kar, which means to be cold. And it means they cooled off everyone from the heat. What happened? When the sea split, the entire world was terrified from the Jewish people, as it says it in the Shira. Everyone was so afraid. And therefore, we give an analogy to a boiling hot bathtub where nobody wants to come near it lest they touch the water and scorch themselves. Everyone's afraid of the hot water. Comes a foolish person, jumps into the water. He dies from the from the third degree burns. But when people see that, they're ready the hot water cool down and people start thinking, well, maybe, maybe we could go in too. So too, when the Jews left Egypt and were such terror upon everything, upon everyone, as the Shira says, Everyone was terrified. That was a great Kiddush Hashem that happened when the sea was split. But when Amalek came and fought with the Jews, even though uh, they were defeated, but it took some of the shine, some of the luster away from the Jewish people. And therefore, the battle of Amalek caused for a weakening of the great impact that was made by the Kriyas Yamsuf on the entire world. Almost as it went from one extreme to the other. On the one hand, the nation's hearts melted before when they saw that what God's power was. And if Amalek has the audacity to go out and fight against the Jew and not be afraid of Hashem, that already minimizes the fear of the other people. So Yisro is seeing something much more than what was seen at the Yamsuf. He is understanding that yes, the Jew, Hashem is great, but Hashem has been minimized in the eyes of the nations. This is all after 
the people who converted when the Jews were on the top, when they were leaving Egypt. So now the Gemara and Rashi quotes, it says, what did Yisro hear that prompted him to come? It says he heard about the Kriyas Yamsuf and he heard about the Muhammad Amalek. And he didn't say he heard about that Amalek was defeated. It just said about the war of Amalek. And at that point, Yisro gets up and remember, it says Yisro is a Kohen Midyon. He's a cardinal of Midyon. He had great honor. He was well known as one of the greatest religious people in the world who worshipped idol worship. He was uh, 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 an advisor to Paro. And what does he do? After he sees what happens with Amalek, he takes with himself his daughters, his grandsons. He travels through the land of Midian where he was an important person. And as he passed through many nations, people were saying, what's Yisrael doing? Where is he going? He says, I'm going to the Jewish people. And he, why is he doing this? He says, because even though the whole world has cooled down from the great effect of the Kriyas Yamsov, I will not allow the world to be cooled down. I will reheat the greatness of Hashem. Me as the greatest intellect in the world, the greatest spiritual seeker in the world, even after Amali cools everyone down, I will undo that effect and put the heat back on and rekindle a flame. And therefore, to do that, he needs as much publicity as possible. And therefore, he goes through Midian telling everybody what he's doing, and he's sending a message to Moshe. And in spite of the fact that Hashem told Moshe he's sincere, but look how sincere he is. You think Yisra for himself needs a lot of fanfare? He doesn't need the fanfare. He's happy to go quietly. He's a humble and modest person. But for God's honor, he has to show that, that a lot of people are going to make a big deal about his conversion. And now that he's coming, he has a double effect positively. Number one, he's converting. That itself is an amazing thing. L'shem Shemaim. But he wants it to be publicized in front of all the Jews and all the people of the world who may have been cooled off from what Amalek did to recreate the Kiddush Shem Shemaim. And that's what he heard. He heard the Kriyas Yamsuf, how the world was terrified about the Jews. And then he hears about the Muhammad Amalek, that the terror has cooled down. And now the excitement and the fear of Hashem and the sanctification has been cooled down. And that motivated him to come now and to bring up the glory of Hashem. And indeed the Zohar says that as Yisro converted and the world heard about conversion after the war of Amalek, many people drew an a fortiori argument and said it if if, if Yisro is coming even after the battle of Amalek and he's giving up so much, so too we can convert as well. And Debir Yosef adds one more point. Why is Hashem, from all the enemies of the Jews that exist, why is he so upset uh, with Amalek? Why is Hashem tell us that Amalek, more than anyone else, he's obsessed almost with Amalek. There could be no memory of Amalek at all, under the heavens at all. And says to Ber Yosef, this is mida keneged, mida measure for measure. 
when any nation causes a chilul Hashem, what does chilul Hashem mean? What does desecration of Hashem mean? It means from the word chilel means to create a vacuum. As much as the splitting of the sea was a kiddush Hashem, and everybody could not deny the existence of God, Amalek wanted to create a, a, a devil's advocate position that you know if God was that great, nobody would be afraid of him, and therefore they want to create a reality as if. The presence of God does not exist. Chil Hashem means I'm pushing God out of the picture. And therefore, measure for measure, you wanted to erase God? I want you to be erased. And there'll be nothing left of you. That's the way God operates. And now we understand one other point. Yisrael, whose coming was to be Makade Shem Shemayim, who wants to bring honor and glory to Hashem and sanctify Hashem and to put Hashem back on the world stage. So what does he merit measure for measure? He merits that he gets a name in the Parsha named after him. He merits that he can give advice to Moshe and that advice becomes a mitzvah in the Torah. And his name is forever, ever etched in our memory as Yisrael. And that's why the name is Parsha's Yisrael. And that's why the connection, we ended last week's Parsha with the destruction of Amalek. And now, even though it may not be in chronological order, maybe indeed Kabbalah Satorah came first and Yisro came later. But we connected to Amalek to show that it's these two things thematically are connected. That there is Hashem in this world and we have a choice. We could try to be like Amalek and try to erase Hashem from the world. Or we could try to be like Yisrael and bring Hashem back into the world. It's very interesting that in this week's Parsha, we see current events south of the border where we have a State of the Union address and a rebuttal. And basically, what are we seeing? We're seeing a group of woke left-wing people who want to remove God from the world completely. We want to remove God from America from the entire world. Communists do not believe in God. The, 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 the politicians who want China to have free, unfettered access to the United States, which will impact the entire world. And their main agenda is to remove God from the world. And whatever God wants is totally gone. On the other hand, you have another party that says we have to bring God back into the world. And God wants humanity to have certain unalienable rights and freedoms, even though it's a non-Jewish perception of God, but it's still a great battle. Is God in the world or not? Certainly we are not politicians and we don't have the power that they have, but we do have a lot of our own power and we have to make a statement as well. No matter how you look at things, the overwhelming majority of the world is starting to desecrate Hashem in every way possible. And therefore, we have to learn from Yisro that we have to do things the opposite. Let me conclude with an interesting story that Rav Ruvain Karlenstein, Zichrona Levracha, tells us in this week's Parsha, a story that happened to him. He had to have a very serious operation in America. And before you go to America, you look to get a bracha from different tzaddikim. As the Gemara tells us, if there's a sick person in your house, go to a chacham and ask for rachamim. So 
Rav Karlenstein went, and he's a great tzaddik himself, but went to many tzaddikim, and he uh, <clears throat> he went at, at this time, a number of years ago, he went to Yerushalayim, and he came to the old city, to the yeshiva of Eishat Torah, to look for a bracha, and guess who was sitting there? Uri Zohar, the great convert, the great uh, Balchuva, who was a mamish, a rock star in the secular Israeli world, and a great comedian, whatever. He gave it all up to become from under much duress and pressure. So he enters, when Karlstein enters the base medrash, he sees Uri Zohar is learning Torah with his tefillin and his talisan. He's learning with his chavrusa diligently. Rav Karlstein did not want to disturb him until he saw a little break in the action. And when he saw that Rav Uri got up, he goes over to Rav Uri. He says, please listen. I'm going to have a very difficult surgery in the United States. I'm going to different tzaddikim. I'm going to you to get a bracha. So Rav Uri Zohar looks at him wondering, wonderfully. And he says, I think you have the wrong address, Rav Ruvain. I don't give brachas. For that, you go to real tzaddikim, not to me. No one ever asks me for a bracha. So Rav Karlsen said, Rav Uri, I'm going, I left from Bnei Brak to come specially here to see you specifically, the bracha from you. So Rav Uri wants to like, just potter him up. He says, okay, tia buddy, be healthy. Ma'atarot semimeni. What do you want from me? Ma'atnitpalt Eli, what are you coming to me for? So Rav Karlsen said, listen, that's not going to help you. I know, I go twice a week. I travel from Bnei Brak to Batyam. And that's a very busy road. And on that busy road can almost be 600,000 people traverse that main highway. And at the, one of the junctions, there's a huge, huge road sign, these advertising signs. And he says, and the sign is twice as big as the Asia Torah-based Medrash, with bold, bold letters. And you can't help but see it. And what does it say on that road sign? I'll say it in Hebrew and then in English. Uri Zohar, acharei hakol, galei lanu hakol, madua azavta es hakol. What does that mean? The sign says, Uri Zohar, after all has happened, reveal to us everything. Why did you leave everything? In other words, why did you leave the filth of Israeli Hollywood and to get involved in, in Torah? So Rav Karlsen said, Raburi, im zechitem shem shamayim, ani tzorich bracha mikem. If you have merited to sanctify God's name, I need to get a bracha from you. And Raburi Zohar could not deny that. He had to give him the bracha. Raburi Zohar, this is the great opportunity in this Shabbos. This Shabbos, the Torah, from, from last Shabbos to this Shabbos, the Torah binds together two reactions to the great God in this world. The reaction of Amalek and those who want to repress God's reality in this world 
and the reaction of Yisrael, which is not just to become Jewish, but to impress the reality of Hashem in this world. And to Bedavka do the opposite of what the whole world is saying. And just as many of you may have heard this State of the Union that was said in a certain way, but then afterwards someone gets up and shows the exact opposite, that that person's full of lies, and that really he is destroying, destroying what the country stands for. As Yidden, we have to realize the same thing, and it's something we can learn, that it's not good enough for us just to be observant Jews. We have to make a big deal about it. We have to make a persumenisa. We have to publicize the fact that we're thrilled and happy to live as Jews, and there's no greater pleasure in life as following how a Jew lives. And therefore, last Shabbos, I was just blown away by the Kiddush Hashem of all the people who did come to shul in the freezing cold. And it wasn't easy. But you publicized. People watching you. People watching you. And they could tell no matter how bundled up you are. A non-Jew who's driving in the street. And he says, who in their right mind is walking on frigid weather like this? These Jews, there must be something about their Shabbat that's so important to them, they're willing to freeze to do the mitzvah and to show the world that there's great value to this. And to those who came last week, Yashur Koyach, Yashur Koyach, for being the Yisros. You know, cold weather cools people off, cools people off from being in the best places that they should be, to be in the shul, to be learning Torah, to be davening with a minion. A lot of people, there's a molek out there that casts doubts in our mind to say, no, Hashem, it's too cold for Hashem. Or go to other places that are a lot warmer. But let's not be in these cold places. And those of us who came, we were mamish living like a Yisro. We were mamish mefarsing. And we make a big deal about it. And so too, we're coming this Shabbos of Kabbalah Satira. Let's make a big deal about it. When you talk to your friends before Shabbos, tell them, are you coming to shul this Shabbos? Even if they're not so observant. And say, what are you talking about? You say, we're going to be reading the Ten Commandments. This is amazing. Last week we read about the splitting of the sea. And if they're going to tell you, well, you know, I'm just going to stay home. It's cold and this and that. You say, but I'm going. I'm going and it's hard for me to go. Can you imagine what a Kiddush Hashem you can do? And as we see with the Rizar, those of us who are able to sanctify God's name, we're worthy to give brachos. So everybody who comes to shul the Shabbos, do me a favor. Give me a bracha when you come to shul. And I'll give you a bracha when we come to shul. That we should have good health. We should continue to sanctify God's name. And when enough people are sanctifying God's name, blessings will come. And the Mashiach will come. Bimheira v'yameinu, amen. Thank you all for listening and have a good Arab Shabbos.